Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast is dedicated in loving memory and Lilui Nishmat Shoshana Bat sponsored by Cookie and Stanley Chira. As well, breakfast is sponsored by uh, Ariel Maman in the Zechut of Be'ezat Hashem. We should be Zochel Lekabel to receive Pnei Mashiach. <clears throat> Rabutai, there's an interesting exchange that happens in, uh, uh, in, in, our, in this week's parasha. We discussed yesterday where you have Yosef and Yehuda are fighting. They're fighting, each one is standing for what they stand for and they're coming forward to put forward their ta'anot. And finally, says the Pasuk, um, Yosef, he can't handle anymore. He can't handle anymore. He says, Yosef could not anymore hold himself back and he reveals himself to his brothers and he says, Ani Yosef, I am Yosef. What's interesting is, when you say that Yosef could not hold himself back anymore, what does that indicate? It indicates that if he could, what would he have done? He actually would have held himself out more. He would have tried to push this story even further. And the question is, why is that something that Yosef wants to do? Hasn't, like, hasn't the thing played out enough? Haven't we got to the point where, we've got, where, you know, where we wanted to get to? What is the point? And I want to share with you something amazing. The Pasuk says that after Yosef reveals himself, he goes to Binyamin, Vayev Binyamin al they each cried on each other's shoulders. We talked yesterday about the fact that Yaakov and Yosef are crying, and Yosef is crying on his father's shoulder. But Yaakov is saying Kriyat Shema. When it comes to Binyamin, each one of them is crying on the shoulders of the other. Why? Rashi brings down something magnificent. There was Ruach HaKodesh in Yosef and Ruach HaKodesh in Binyamin. Yosef was crying about the fact on, that in the chelik of Binyamin, in the portion of Binyamin, two Batei Mikdash were going to be destroyed. Why, where do we see that? Because the word, the, the word that it uses is it says, he cried al tsavaro on his neck, singular, and he cried al tsavarav on his necks. What, what does that have to do? The Gemara already explains how the Beta Mikdash, or a place of the dwelling of God, is called Tzavar, is called like the neck. But that's not for today. So Yosef is crying about the fact that in the portion of Binyamin, two Beta Mikdashes are going to be destroyed. Why is Binyamin crying? Binyamin is crying because the Mishkan in Shiloh, the dwelling place of God in Shiloh, which is in the portion of Yosef, is also going to be, uh, is going to be destroyed. It's going to be stopped, it's going to cease to exist. So on the one end, you have the Batei Mikdash in the portion of Benjamin. On the other end, you have the Mishkan in the portion of Shiloh. But the question is, again, the same question. Why now? Why, what is this something, why is this something that's coming up at this moment in time that they're mourning the Beta Mikdash? What does it have to do? Rabotai, I want to share with you something so powerful. The Ben Ishchai explains that on the night of Pesach, we have two dippings. We have a dipping of the, har, the, uh, the karpas in salt water, and we have the dipping of the maror in charoset. Why are there two dippings, he says? Because there's a dipping in the beginning of the story of Galut, and there's a dipping in the end of the story of Galut. The beginning of Galut happens when the Jewish people, the Shivatim, they take the coat of Yosef, and they dipped it in blood. The first, therefore the beginning, the first dipping, 
represents the Jewish people descending into Galut, into exile. The second dipping is the dipping of the Jewish people, that they take the grass, the Ezov, and they dip it into the Korban Pesach, and they put it on the doorposts. And that represents the Geulah, the redemption at the end of the time of Egypt. So one is the beginning of the story, the catalyst of the story, and one is at the end, the element that gets them out of Egypt, Rabotai. But there's a fundamental difference between these two dippings. The first dipping, Rabotai, is when brothers were torn apart, where you had brothers that were capable because of fear, because of jealousy, whatever it was, because of hatred. We find something that tears the brothers apart, and that dipping winds up, what does it do? It takes them all the way uh, to the abyss of Sinat Chinam. Rabotai, how is it possible? How is it possible to hate a brother? How could something like that be? Rabotai, that only happens when you can dip your brother. What does that mean? When they dip his coat into the blood, there's something covering over. It's blocking who the person is. There's something external that I could focus on. And Rabotai here was exactly the same. They took their brother, and what did they do? They decided they were no longer there. Like we explained already uh, last Shabbat, he comes to the Malach Gabriel, and Gabriel says, Nase'u bizeh, they traveled from here. But the word in Hebrew, zeh, is incorrect. Where should it say, if it's trying to say they traveled from here? Nase'u mi? Po. Po means here. What does zeh mean? They traveled from this? And the Mepharshim explained, Nase'u mi zeh means, zeh is a gematria of 12. They've traveled from the idea of 12. They no longer believe in the concept of 12 brothers of Shivatim. They've cut you out. Don't go there. Your brothers, you're going to go visit them, they're going to sell you. They're going to do something bad. Yosef, but the refrain is, et achai anochim I'm looking to help my brothers. Rabotai, what do they do? They take the brother, they dip him in something, so they're not looking at him. The karpas, it's a regular vegetable. You dip it in salt water, all of a sudden it tastes salty. And you think, oh wow, the karpas is salty. It's not the karpas is salty. You dip them in something. You take the maror, it's bitter. You dip it in charos, oh, this is sweet. It's not sweet. You dipped it in something. Everything a person has, the capacity to choose how it is that they're going to view them, Rabotai. And that is of the person's own volition. So Yosef says to Benjamin, Velo yachol Yosef. Yosef could no longer hold out. He was trying through this process to bring the brothers back into Shuvah Shilema. And in order to do that, he needed to put them through this whole story to then set up this moment where he would ask them to choose between uh, themselves, what their own interests, their own agenda, and their brother Benjamin, who was the only other son of Rachel. He was going to set the stage again because Rambam teaches us that true teshuvah only happens when a person visits the same scenario. And in that scenario, they make a difficult choice, the opposite choice that they made when they sinned. So Yosef was painstakingly recreating the situation where they would have to choose between themselves and Benjamin. But he couldn't get there, Yosef. Because he was trying, he was trying with all of his might to, to get to that place. And he knew that if he could fix the sin of hatred between brothers, then he would bring the ultimate redemption. And when he is unable to do so, 
He runs and finds Benjamin and throws himself on his brother and he cries for two Beta Mikdashes, which would be destroyed because the Jewish people had hatred between them. And Yosef was saying to his brother, I'm so sorry. I could have fixed it, but I couldn't hold on any longer. I couldn't see my brother suffering any longer. The tears came. And he reveals himself to his brothers. Rabutai, this question always bothered me. Why in the world was Yosef unable to push it one more? He did everything up until this point. He couldn't deal with it. He put Shimon in prison. He couldn't deal with this even if he took him out later. He was very mean to them. He called them spies. He said, you know, that he's, gonna, he's not going to give them food. He's going to let their family starve. All of that he was able to pull off. All of a sudden now, he stops one yard short of the goal line, like Seattle. What's the point, Rabotai? The answer is so, so, so deep. Listen to this, Rabotai, with your neshamot and with your hearts. Binyami, Yosef, excuse me, was unable to push anymore. Because if what he was trying to do in order to be able to pull this across the finish line was bringing the brothers back, have them stop hating and make them be loving once again. Yosef said, the only way I can create love is by bringing more hate. The only way I can do this is if I protect my own heart, I cover my brothers in order to hate them. If I do to them what they did to me, then I'll be able to fix their sin. But what will that have done? It will have taken the 11 brothers who are trying to make a tikkun and give them their tikkun and then take the one brother, Yosef, that was aggrieved and turn him into them. Sometimes, Rabbi we're trying so hard to make shalom that we wind up hating the person because they're not willing to make shalom the way we want. We need to learn from Yosef that we always need to stop short of that point no matter what is at stake. No matter what is at stake. And Rabbi I think sometimes as we realize this, you know, sometimes we recognize the lay of the land in Yosef and his brothers, it teaches us a tremendous lesson. It teaches us, Rabotai, that no matter how, odd, how far the odds are against us, all we need to do is to push as far as we feel is physically possible, as far as we feel is morally possible. When we get to that stage, and then we realize that in order to do this, not only to get it across the finish line, but in order to get it across the finish line, we have to cross one of our own internal lines. We need to say something that we're not prepared to say. I had a case a little while ago of someone who said, there's a person who stole money from me. The guy has money, he stole from me. And he says, and I have a way to get it back, Rabbi. All I have to say is that the person did this or did that or said this or said that. He said, it's not true. What will they charge him? They'll charge him the money that he owes me. So I'll have to lie in order to get the money back, but the money is actually my money. So I'm not stealing. Am I allowed to do that to get the money back? And I said to him, Rohi, I said, Azov everything for one second. Are you willing to be like him in order to get your money back from him? Will you have solved the problem if the money's in your pocket, but then you became a criminal? To lie is not, is not mutar, even if the money is yours. We have to figure out a way to get that money back. But if you're not, if you want to become a criminal, to, save a, to, to fight a criminal, you know, that doesn't work. Sometimes they say, if you want to think, you know, they say the old line, you know that line they say, you know, you want to catch a thief? You have to think like a thief. You know what the problem is when you keep thinking like a thief? 
Your own brain patterns, your own thought patterns, become the thought patterns of a thief. Yosef says, Ad Khan. Whatever the cost, I'm not crossing this line. And that is why Yosef is called Sadiq Yisod Olam. Because he is so pure that he's unwilling to make the mistake and then do Teshuvah. I'll worry about it later. That's not his style. He, that is his, his approach to things. Rabbi Utai, I want to share with you one thought um, uh, that I think will bring us a little bit of uh, comfort when we get to our lines. My rabbi once told me, there was someone who was fighting with me about something silly, nothing to do, but they, you know, when people fight, they get aggrieved, they feel upset, they're willing sometimes, like the claws come out, they're willing to do things that maybe they wouldn't normally do because they're in that situation. What am I going to sit by? Like they take advantage of me. I can't do that. Da, 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 da. I'm not built that way. So anyway, the guy's sitting there. And my rabbi said something to me that I will, I will hold with me for the rest of my days. What did he say? He said, Shlomo, never get into the mud with someone. He says, because even if you win, you're covered in mud. And besides, they're willing to do things that you're not willing to do. So never get in the mud with someone. It gets to a stage where you can't go any further, bow out, say, I'm sorry, I can't, this is not, it's beyond what I can do, I'm, I'm out, I'm out. My rabbi taught me that a long, long, long time ago. But the question is, how does someone build strength when they know that they're not willing to do that, they're not willing to fight with their uh, partner like that, with their wife like that, with their ex-wife, with their ex-husband, with their children, with the other people. How, do you, how does a person try and do that? When they're trying to do the right thing, but it seems like, you know, that if they do the right thing, then they're going to lose. Listen to this, Rabotai. I want you to pay attention to the length of Yehuda's speech and the brevity of Yosef's. Yosef, Yehuda, makes a very impassioned speech which is taken out of, you know, the greatest speeches of all time handbook. He uses emotion, he uses guilt, literally. My father's going to die, uh, you know, we lost one son, do you want to be responsible for the second son? I told him, I promise, you can't do this to me. Yosef doesn't... Ani Yosef. Ha'od avichai. That's how long his speech is. Five words. The Gemara says about Yosef's speech, Oi lanu miyom adin. Woe is to us on the day of judgment. Oi lanu miyom atokacha. Woe is to us on the day of tokacha, of rebuke, of reproof. Why? Because God's going to come to us and He's going to say, what is He going to say? He's not going to give us long speeches. He's not going to tell you all the things. He's just going to say, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem. In that moment, all the things that you did against God, all the things that you did that were selfish, that you shouldn't have done, immediately they come and they're right in front of you and you understand. Because all it takes for the situation to turn around when it comes to emet is the situation turns around very quickly. When it comes to sheker, when it comes to lies, you need very, very long speeches. You need to say a lot of things. When it comes to emet, you only need to say a few words. It's like that sometimes when you go and you're trying to justify, and you talk for 10 minutes, you're justifying, and the person says, Mo'aib. In Arabic, that means, yeah, but isn't what you did, isn't it wrong? Mo'aib. Isn't what you did, how long is that? Emet doesn't need a lot of words. It, like we say, Emet stands on its own two feet. 
The word sheker is made up of three letters. Each one of the letters comes to a point at the bottom. Shin, kuf, resh. Because sheker, like the pasuk says, en lo raglaim. It can't stand. It doesn't have two legs. Only it falls. Emet, all the bottoms of the aleph, the mem, the taf, they have stability. So emet doesn't need to say anything. It stands on its own two feet. Ultimately, Rabotai, without you doing anything, you do yours, ultimately emet stands at the end of the day. All right? It doesn't need speeches. It doesn't need you to fight for it. HaKadosh Baruch should bless us that in all the scenarios where we are unwilling to go the extra mile, where someone embarrasses us and we don't answer back and we don't humiliate them, we don't... What we do is we just take it. We just say, I'm sorry, I'm not getting involved. We hold ourselves back. We pull ourselves back. In situations like this, Rabbi when a person can do this, and you're wondering, you know, am I losing because I didn't cross my own lines? You never lose for that. Yosef HaTzadik's mini speech teaches us this. Not only is it something that silences all of his brothers, it makes his dreams come true. Five words. Because in the fullness of time, Emet is the only thing that is left standing. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen.